We have all been there before. You've been doing this for far too long and you've forgotten why you even bother. You're just not feeling up to it anymore. You begin to wonder if you even can. My name is Isander, and I have a crackpot theory that the Orcs of 40k, specifically the biggest one running around at the moment, can offer an interesting perspective on lack of purpose, isolation, and having to bury all those feelings away as deep as you possibly can, because if they even leak out for a second, everything will come crashing down. Over the course of the video, we're going to cover exactly what the orcs are, why this one in particular even matters, and how a massive race of sentient mushrooms in a universe that prides itself on being depressing is an oddly compelling look into continuing your purpose. But before all that, we need to lay the groundwork for what exactly the orcs are in 40k. A lot of you already know this, and if you do, you can skip to the next segment, but I like to be thorough. 40k is a sprawling universe with tons of very talented writers constantly pouring into it, it is almost impossible to know everything that is happening all the time with 100% accuracy. It is ever-changing and ever-confusing. So to ensure we're on the same page, let's touch on what exactly an orc is in the setting. You are probably not too far off the money when you envision them. It's big, they're green, tusks, massive fangs, you know the usual at this point. They have been the main antagonist for every major faction at 40k at least once, usually multiple times, and whenever they are, it's never just a side mission. It's usually the big threat for that season, let's call it. Because the way they work is like a nuclear chain reaction, and at its core is something called the WA. It is how they pronounce war. Orcs are very simple, they do what the tin says. And it is always said at full volume and never shouted alone. For this to happen, you need a ton of orcs, basically piled as high and as dense as you possibly can, and then a spark to light it all together, a single neutron. This can be anything. It could be the biggest orc stubbing their toe, a dirty look, a bet, orc divorce, anything to get the ball rolling, and then from there it's pretty much over. The fury bounces from one, then two, then four, each feeding into this loop, getting more and more orcs furious, and this fury then gets directed outwards, going from city to city, and in the worst cases, from world to world. They go from rudimentary tanks that are stapled together with duct tape and faith, to massive mechs that shake the battlefield and scrape the skies. They go from armies of a few thousand to armies in the millions, with each individual constantly pumping out this thick cloud of spores that's allowing the orcs to replicate at a rate nobody else can match. Quick side note. The orcs are plant-based, that's why I called them mushrooms earlier. You grow them the same way you grow fungus in your backyard. It's very hard to deal with. At their worst, they've even been able to assemble massive hollow moons that can travel faster than light and send out whips of gravity to crush anything in their way. Of course, with the biggest orc's face put right on it, because how else are we going to know whose car this is? Like, come on, it's going to be misplaced. The tide is also fighting in ways no tactician can outmaneuver because it doesn't matter if you put the best chess player on the planet across a table from a toddler. The Grandmaster is never going to beat that toddler if that kid has 16 queens, no king to check, and a gun taped to his arm with his finger placed tastefully over the trigger. That toddler is the orcs, seriously lacking in anything that could even be remotely considered a mental faculty, but what they lack in that, they make up with numbers that feel like they're cheating and so much force, if you do not look them square in the eyes and deal with the problem, you will be wiped away. Everyone has felt this force before and there is no winning. 
There is no stopping the raging bull charging at you. You just have to slow it down and eat that force basically until it runs out of steam. You have to slow the reaction down. That means you don't give them the fight they want. You have to drag it out and fight them from very, very long ranges. Don't get in melee. You have to follow up with fire to burn away any spores that they've left in the air and in the ground to make sure that more don't just pop up later. And then you have to target their command structure very carefully. That way they fall apart, which as a side note, very easy to do. Orcs grow bigger the stronger they are, so usually if you just target the biggest orcs, you're, you're inadvertently taking out their command structure. There is no subtlety to it at all. It's like if you were elected president and doubled in height tomorrow, that's how obvious it is. You just know. The entire army will turn. Instead of being a hammer to crush the enemy, they have to serve as control rods, slowly being inserted to just eat the brunt of this until it's all done and they run out of gas. It is an unimaginably difficult task, and nobody wants to be in that position. So pretty much every major faction has dedicated some resources to just watching the orcs, observing them, and stepping in before the reaction can really get out of control. The biggest problem there is you can try as hard as you can, and the nice thing about nuclear reactions here in our world is... We, we have a bunch of very talented people, very intelligent people who do math all day and they figured out roughly how and when these things play out and there's a predictable-ish timetable for it all. Nothing like that exists for the orcs because unlike uranium, one orc can up and say it's time for the greatest reaction. It's my destiny to start it and this war will never end and there's nothing you can do to stop it. There is a lot of things that make Gaz stand out among the orcs, with the most important being that depression I mentioned earlier, but we'll get to that, don't worry. The first thing that puts him in the different league is his almost fated nature. See, his whole rise was actually seen by the space elves when another, even bigger orc called the Beast passed away. He's another episode altogether, but he was the one who whipped them up into such a fever pitch they had war moons with his face on them. At the time, to give a sense of scale, there was a non-zero chance that he would just steamroll everything else, going one at a time until nothing was left. And even when it was killed, it was remarked by one of the space elves' farseers who, the box says what it does, he sees into the future, said that beasts do not die, they are only banished. And about 10,000 years later, he would be proven right when some grunt named Gaz was looking to make a name for himself. Remember how I mentioned the people are constantly observing the orcs and managing them in a way, trying to avoid this critical mass? Well, unbeknownst to Gaz at the time, this was happening, with some space marines raiding the planet to disrupt the orcs building up there, and they'd leave behind these massive automated fortresses that were entirely empty. There was nothing of value there, it was just an artificial kill box they could leave behind because they know that orcs are incomprehensibly stupid. They will fight it because they think it's worth fighting, and so they will run at it headfirst as that thing slowly and methodically machine guns their numbers down, only for them to break in and discover it's empty and or filled with explosives, so there's nothing worth it in there. Which is unbelievably effective, because... It does a good job. It's it's an artificial means to keep the population down, and one that Gaz found himself on the receiving end of when it deleted about 30% of his head, leaving him with just 
70% to work with, and a brand new open concept kind of situation happening. In an attempt to bring him back as best as the orcs can, they rebuilt the missing chunks of his face with steel because steel takes bullets better. I can't argue with that logic, it's fairly sound, but it didn't really work that well because bolting a metal frame around your now open concept skull is both stupid and useless. Sure, is metal better about dealing with bullets? 100%. And is there far more light in this room than there was previously? And the feng shui is just so much better. Yes, the open concept system works great. But I am still missing my limbic system and no amount of welding is gonna fix that problem. So he didn't get up from that operating table. The doctor just charged the whole thing and threw the body around back, assuming it to just be another mishap during the surgery, moved on. And one would think it was the, let's call it architectural approach to surgery that did him in, but he actually survived that bit just fine. Having metal tack welded around your head turned out to not be that bad for an orc. What actually did him in was the fact that <laughs> One of the worst things you can hear is double or nothing when you're on the operating table. And that is exactly what the doctor did. Seeing his surgery as a massive success, he decided to continue testing his odds by giving Gaz a brand new and seriously improved cybernetic joint that he did not ask for or want. And the result was a brand new knee that works great, but catastrophic blood loss that killed him on the spot. The orcs are my favorite. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> Regardless, whether it was the metal or the new knee, the result's the same. It's one kind of large slab of green that's dead now. From here, he was found by a little guy who was honestly just looking for a payday. Gaz wasn't exactly puny, so he had to have some good stuff on him. And as he was scavenging about the body, he did manage to find some things. And he managed to also lock eyes with the corpse as it roared to life. And in that moment, he was able to see Gaz's vision. All the orcs in the galaxy unified into this great green tide. As it turns out, while Gaz was on the operating table, he started having these visions of the orcs as they were. These massive war machines that were meant to rage against the stars themselves and destroy the gods. Something that they actually succeeded in. It was called the War in Heaven. That's another episode in and of itself as well. All you need to know is the orcs were an entirely different demon back then. They were very intelligent, tactical, and five times the size that they are today. It's a whole different problem, but they're suffering from success because they won and they had nothing left to fight. So they had to turn inwards, slowly, slowly grinding each other down to the lowly and idiotic mess we have today. But Gaz saw things could be better. Gaz saw that he could unite them all and bring them to that height they were once at. And this was shown to him by none other than the two orc gods, Gork and Mork. Very different, take notes. Gork is brutal, but cunning. And Mork is cunning, but brutal. See what I mean? It's, an, it's a whole pantheon here. Mork will hit you when you are not looking, and Gork will hit you even harder when you are. It is effectively Tom and Jerry as deities. That's about all you need to know. Now that we have that cleared up, you know exactly who Gaz is lobbying on the behalf of, and he gets to work doing a phenomenal job at first. 
this is something I've touched on before, but there has to be a real sense of peace that comes with knowing your purpose on a divine level. It, it's there, there just has to be something that comes with knowing and waking up day in and day out that this is what I was made to do. This is what I was made for. And that kind of focus is what, in my opinion, makes people the happiest and the most effective. It can be anything. You could think you're divinely fated to do people's taxes. It could be woodworking. It could be whittling in a corner. Whatever it is. So long as you feel like it's your purpose and it's fulfilling, there's a level of energy that comes with that that cannot be beaten. And that is the exact energy that Gaz brought to work with him. And he had a new friend to help him out with this, that little guy who was looting his body, Makari, who painted up this nice banner of Gaz, which has been there for quite a few of his models. But he realized basically immediately that they were fated, and he carries that banner around to this day, following Gaz through thick and thin. First order of business, fight the biggest orc to show everyone who the new boss is, and there's no better way to do that than walking up and calling him an offense to the gods himself. Which went about as well as you would think, with Sundering Gunfire being directed right at Gaz, but not one bullet connecting. From here, a beatdown was delivered that was so brutal, you would think it had to be divine, and this was not even close. It wasn't a boxing match, it wasn't a sparring contest, it was an execution, effectively. So vicious that everyone was cheering for Gaz, even the other guy's goons, by the end of it all. From here, he would continue to repeat this routine all over the planet in an effort to unite them. Orcs are, I've said this before, I'll say it again, unbelievably dense. They really only believe in strength above all, so it's really odd that when Gaz looks back on this fight in particular, he sees it as a waste, regretting having to have crushed somebody that could have been useful in the future. And what's even weirder is after that, he sets out to go above and beyond to not do that to any other major orcs, instead challenging them to various games and tests that were their strength, that way he could prove dominance while still keeping them around. He was so committed to this that in one duel he fought a guy in his home turf, beheaded him once, reattached him, asked him to join, he said no, beheaded him a second time, reattached him, asked him to join, he still said no, and on the third try he did it again telling him that he'd be willing to do this as long as it takes, and only then did that guy go, okay, all right, you're, you're right, let's do this. Gaz is a remarkably odd specimen, only made weirder by his surgery. However, even though orc belief is strong, and it is really strong, there are some things it can't change. One of those things is the fact that orcs will grow as they get stronger. If you haven't noticed, Gaz has been getting stronger this entire episode. However... Metal does not. So this piece that once barely fit on correctly, that was covering up 30% of his skull, is now pinching and twisting into things that it never should have. And as a result, it leads to these unimaginable headaches that are constantly plaguing him, as well as racking him with seizures that leave him entirely immobile, unable to do anything but think and marinate on his various problems. And even then, he still firms it managing to unite the entire planet and then set out to do something even harder somehow, which is convince everyone he just got on the same page to stop fighting. Because this is the part of the story where things really fall apart. 
Every orc usually turns on each other at this point if there's nothing else to fight and everything that they build gets returned back to ashes. That's why the orcs have never been a major threat. They will eat themselves alive at times. They will quite literally grow smaller and weaker if they're not constantly fighting and Gaz has to make them wait until his vision comes true. So he steps out onto his balcony and gives a compelling speech. And I'm not talking one by orc standards, it's genuinely good stuff. He goes out there and he tells them that they're made for a great fight. The greatest fight of all, they're built to take pain and crush anything in their way. Pain means nothing. So what does the pain of battle mean to them? It's beneath them. You just need to wait until the time Gork and Mork give us a way out, and then from there, there will be hell to pay. And as all this is happening, the crowd is swelling with energy and excitement. All of them are agreeing with them. Even the heavens themselves seem to agree, as the sky turns this sickly green, with these veins of bright light streaking through the sky. Everyone on the ground thinks it's proof that Gaz is divine. Gaz thinks it's a warning from the gods, telling them not to waste any more time. And as it turns out, he's not very far off because everyone with a rudimentary understanding of mathematics realizes that it's the death throes of their nearest star. The cold sets in. And as the planet dies, the orcs are forced to huddle and resort to eating each other in a desperate bid to survive and see Gaz's dream. Shouting commands is easy. Anyone can do it. Just ask your mother-in-law every time you get behind the wheel. No, one of the marks of a good leader is setting an example. And that is one that Gaz has in spades, promising not to move from that balcony until they were delivered from this icy hell. And he was willing to wait in the same circumstances everyone else was waiting, still as a statue for days until he was almost encased in ice. Makari even came to check in on him when all the movement had stopped, only for Gaz to chuckle a bit and mention that he forgot to breathe for a second there. Their faith was rewarded with this massive, demon-infested, twisted hulk made of failed ships appearing in their upper atmosphere, and there was no thought once that thing was spotted. Every single orc rushes that thing, invigorated by the promise of that fight, and Gaz himself beats a greater demon into the ground and roars at the portal where they're all spawning from to bring more only for the thing to shudder in what looks like fear. In the most divine act an orc can muster, he then proceeds to close the portal with a headbutt. To smash a problem with your head is to solve the problem with both the gifts of Gork and Mork, hitting something with the thing that you use to think with. It's the opposite of giving a speech, but it's also the same thing, because speech is just another way of hitting people with the brain. It's truly a beautiful thing, and from there on, it's straightforward. Gaz runs a pain train from planet to planet, and while everyone else is having a great time, this is where the melancholy sets in. Because in the process of the aforementioned pain train, his buddy Makari, the standard bearer who found him in the trash, died. To make things worse too, the gods seem to have stopped chatting with him, or at least anything intelligible, instead just indecipherable roars and headaches that feel like someone is prying the metal off of his skull slowly. This could not have come at a worse time, as he was rapidly approaching the world of Armageddon, home of Hive Hades. It is here that all momentum would stop. 
being ground to a halt at the hand of one Commissar Yarrick. In Yarrick, he found a best frenemy, which is a, it's a fantastic thing for the orcs. A best enemy is... It's that one person who you hate with a passion and you can never let them amount to anything more than you, so inadvertently you become a pure ball of hatred towards them that pushes you to become a better person out of spite. Or, you know, if that's not your cup of tea, just a person who's good for a fight any day of the week. However, even that wasn't enough to shake him out of his funk. If anything, it was the worst thing imaginable. He resorts to trying anything and everything, shouting to the gods, trying to induce seizures again, even just refinding Makari. Quick note, apparently Makari can be reborn, like the beast, but he'll only remember who he is when he meets Gaz, so it leads to this very fun cat and mouse game of Gaz trying to revive Makari by finding him, and Makari not knowing who the hell this guy is and why is he chasing me down. It's the equivalent of a medieval peasant being chased by royalty day in and day out with them shouting, no wait, you belong here, you have no idea what's going on, and that's how Makari works. However, nothing would work. Regardless of what he did, he was left with that feeling that we started with, that hollow emptiness. Like a pale imitation of a man forced to walk around hiding the fact that something is deeply wrong, that something is missing. He pretends to enjoy the small talk, the day in and day out, seeing these people every single day, but he could not care less. The fighting, the roughhousing, the constant war, all the stuff that usually makes an orc happy does nothing for him. He doesn't think he's worth it anymore abandoned by the gods themselves. For you and me, the worst that happens in this situation is wondering how much weight a rafter can support while smiling at the water cooler and pretending to be interested in how you definitely could have made it into the league if you didn't have a bum knee and a kid at 21. But for him, there are catastrophic effects because belief is a powerful thing for the orcs. Orcs win in large part only because they believe they can. They only believe that if their bosses do and their bosses only believe that because Gaz does. But now, Gaz doesn't. And this melancholy of his spreads first from him to his bosses, then all across his legions. Their marches suddenly slow down, their shouts weaken, their guns deteriorate faster, and the momentum of the war shifts. He has to pivot. He's going to lose on Armageddon. That is a fact. So he quickly points over to a different hive, says that's the real hive we need to take, they're about to lose, and as his armies are being fed into a literal meat grinder, he uses this as a window of escape and leaves with all of his important allies. He then describes Armageddon as a test run for an even larger plan. He actually manages to play this off fairly well, with only a few headbutts required, and he sets off to a new world to try his luck. However, no matter where you go, you will always find yourself sat there waiting. There's no running from an enemy if it's in your head. You have to face it. And that is the exact opposite of what Gaz did. Instead, he distances himself from the obvious problems, raising an even bigger army, and being poked and prodded by the closest thing he has to an orc doctor, that guy who killed him with a knee transplant to begin with. The headaches only get worse, the pain paired with the poor advisement only leads him to double down and bring the war right back to Armageddon again. And this whole time, his little pal Makari is trying to help him out, telling him that this is nothing but a spiral. There is no, this is the one place in the galaxy that you are being expected. They have turned it into a kill box waiting for you. 
go literally anywhere else. Every orc believes in you. The gods themselves still believe in you, and I believe in you, but you don't. And this talk wakes him up. It reminds Gaz of who he is, and he goes on to do what he can by tripling down. And he kills Makari on the spot, telling him to send the gods a message that they're no longer needed, running face first into Armageddon for a third time. The spiral continues, the melancholy gets worse, and the desperation gets so strong he tries to refind Makari, only for Makari to immediately kill himself every time he met Gaz again. The second Makari would get his memory back, he would find new and exciting ways to end it all, from swallowing a chainsaw to backflipping off of a building and hurling obscenities all the way down. The war grinds to a halt yet again, and Gaz finds his one friend constantly offing himself. Slowly, he becomes more and more despondent, and he tries to convince Makari, faster than he can swallow a sword, that is, that this is all worth something. He attempts to spin this by telling Makari that, look, this is a fight that will never end here on Armageddon. Is that not exactly what we were going for? And right on cue, a tank arrives and shows Gaz why the medical term is a chest cavity, blowing a hole in his abdomen so massive there's a slight echo to it, and it's ready to fire again. They're, they're shocked that they have landed such a lucky shot, because at this point, Gaz, is, he's, he's built a bit of a name for himself. He's a bit of a legend, so it's like shooting the enemy general immediately you want to finish the mission. And as they're readying up, Makari runs across the battlefield, ducks in, and absolutely mauls everyone in the tank, saving Gaz's life. And as Gaz lays there, blown apart, he gets the view from halfway down. Mortality is an incredibly sobering thing, and your head can convince you of some incredibly dark things, slowly sanding away at everything you are, and convincing you that things are far worse than they really are, day in and day out. But the truth of the matter is, you've made it this far, how much farther could it possibly be? Nothing's changed, you haven't f***ed it all up beyond repair, and if you keep going long enough, you'll make it work. But that's the key, it has to be long enough. Now you take that glimpse into the truth that a brush with death is known to give, and you mix it with some light psychic shenanigans and just orc chicanery, frankly, and you get the old Gaz back. He apologizes to Makari, he apologizes to Gork and Mork, and says that he gets it now and needs to move on. Getting right back to it with that same fire that we had started with earlier. Speaking of earlier, remember how I mentioned their chain reactions can occasionally get to their logical extreme? Well, this was a little nudge that it needed to get there. On Armageddon, Gaz had something new. He had reached that extreme, critical mass, something truly unending. It's unstoppable at this point. It is a war that will never end, granted, on a few planets. But still, the fighting strengthens the orcs, which makes the Imperium have to respond in kind. More troops are sent, more resources are devoted, and this gives them the edge they need to push the orcs back as they have now grown the war in scale. This increase in scale only serves to be a beacon to bigger, more aggressive orcs to join the fight who fight twice as hard, not only because of the beacon effect, but also because those that are there are now bolstered by reinforcements. 
The Imperium now needs to respond in kind, and so the cycle goes over and over while Gaz is sat there in the middle stoking the fires of this cosmic brawl that will never end. The Ragnarok. Say that five times fast. What started as an engagement with one stubborn hive city eats an entire planet and has engulfed a good chunk of that subsector. The Imperium is looking at this from the perspective of total war, with everything nearby being devoted only to the war effort of a damned world. They know Armageddon can't be saved. They know they're never going to be able to take it back and fix it, but they also know they can't lose ground there. The resources spent already have become incalculable to all but the best logisticians in the Imperium. Billions are slaughtered, with the most advanced and aggressive weaponry they have being used in the theater. Everything has been thrown here. Sisters, Astartes, even Titans shake the battlefield and the Navy bombards it from above. And all this does is continue the runaway, making the orcs stronger, proving Gaz right. And the more they believe in him, the stronger he becomes. The stronger he becomes, the more they believe in him. This beating heart, this forge of war, paired with his refound purpose, gives him a stupendous amount of power. And he sets out across the galaxy, just starting more reactions like this in different systems with the same harrowing results. Nowadays, Gaz is a threat that cannot be ignored. Conflicting accounts make it seem like he can either A, be in multiple places at once, or can move so fast that the Imperium cannot keep up with him. He is always at the biggest fights, sometimes arriving to turn the tide with his bare hands, sometimes arriving to give tactical advice and then leaving. Regardless, it is the same result. Planets that are worthless to everyone but as a battleground. That's it. And with each one, Gaz grows stronger. He's even larger than ever now too, not just because of all the belief concentrated directly at him, but because when the Space Wolves killed him, instead of everything collapsing in on itself like it should have, the orcs, in an odd display of unity, banded together to guard his body until a new one could be built. They even donated parts from the biggest orcs that they had, with some being donated willingly by those still living, with my favorite being an orc who walked into the operating room and cratered his chest to remove his heart and offer it for the boss, only for him to immediately collapse, crushing the heart in the process. The orcs are fantastic, and with how ridiculous Gaz is becoming, I really hope he gets more of a spotlight in the future. But you know my biases by now. I like the big blue W2, logic made flesh, and watching him have to untangle orc paradoxes would be beyond fun. It would be the chess grandmaster I mentioned earlier against the baby with 16 queens and a gun. How that goes, we are yet to see. But regardless, I have great news to share. And that is we're moving to a traditional credit system because the previous system was, frankly, falling apart. There are too many fantastic people who help this show continue, and we want to ensure all of you have a shot to see your name flying by, not at the speed of sound. So we're just rolling to the traditional credits, which are starting right about now, and... You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good problem to have, and it wouldn't be possible without all of you. So thank you so much. On a less 
Fun note, if you haven't already pieced it together, you are missing one of your hosts this week. Those of you on Patreon already know, but Coda is dealing with some health issues that just mean he can't be on screen for a little bit. It is nothing life-threatening, thankfully, but it's a head injury, and with that, there's usually some very strict treatment protocols that he has to stick to. I'm sure he'll be back, and obviously I'm doing the best I can behind the scenes to help him recover while also ensuring things continue moving. Thank you all for understanding, and thank you to the outpouring of well wishes that he's gotten. I've been sending them all his way, so truly, thank you all for that. And as always, thank you for being you.